you still have to get it done at the time that it really counts, which we have not managed to do. It's the first time that you could genuinely say that there is a chance that we could be World Cup champions. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports And this is Football Saturday all the way until 5 John Duggan with you Remember Football on Off The Ball brought to you by Sky Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports We're streaming the conversation as well You can listen on News Talk Also watch us on the Off The Ball digital and social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off The Ball YouTube and on Facebook We're joined on the line by the former Republic of Ireland midfielder David Myler Football correspondent of the Irish Independent Dan McDonald is in studio with us as is the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward You can join the conversation now on our text number 53106 or on Twitter at Off The Ball. How do you feel folks about Monday? Are you going? It's going to be a sellout. Do we stand a chance against the French and Mbappe? Who would you like to see in the team? Should Will Smallbone get a start for example? How do we stop killing Mbappe and what's your favourite football venue and why? We're kind of talking about that in the wake of this TG Carr documentary that's uh, ongoing over the next few weeks. David Myler, great to talk to you. I suppose before we get into uh, Monday, what did you make of the other night? Uh, well, I didn't see the game live. Um, I was coaching. Um, obviously, I saw some highlights Um like whenever you play those games, like those friendly warm-up games before a big qualifier, it's it's always a tough, difficult game. Um, obviously, Ireland are expected to go and win the game comfortably. Um, I think there was a lot of positives to take from it in the parts I saw. I suppose the, the more concerning issue I think that Stephen would have had with that performance was that period where he just kind of seemed to lose control of it. We conceded the goal um, that... There wasn't really any any player putting their foot in the ball to kind of control it and dictate the play. Um, look, it's 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 one of those JD. You you play those games. There's a lot of lads who started um, having been playing regular football at their club. Um, it's a good chance for them to get some minutes under their belt. And then look, the preparation is all for Monday. That's all that was. Um, they get the result. Puts a little bit of positivity in the camp. Um, and I've no doubt the lads will be you know rare to go for Monday. The biggest uh, cliche I find in sport is we're under no illusions and it's used by so many players and managers. And Dan, on Monday, we are no, under no illusions after what happened last night in Paris. 4-0 win for France. Yeah, the hangover. The World Cup hangover. Well, it was a rollover. Yeah, I like that line, yeah. yeah it wasn't more, a hangover, it was a rollover. rollover than a hangover. Okay. Thank, thank, thank you, Johnny. Hangover usually works out better than a rollover. I could do with winning a rollover the lot tonight. <laughs> when you have a hangover, though, the following day is better than if you have a rollover. So hopefully Monday will be great. So it's like, like day three of a wedding on <laughs> Monday. They're completely, they're gone to the game. Um, and look, I mean, uh, happily, I'm, I don't have to change my opinion. Like I did say before the game that I thought the best result for Ireland would be France winning. And I still feel that way. Um, I think it's... Uh, when it's a group where two teams go through obviously if you're looking to win the group then you, you, you want draws between like uh, yes. rivals but when two teams go through to me I, I just think um, let France away with it you know and then hope 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 against all hope that Ireland can um, get a point somewhere against France that sort of gives Ireland a sort of a one point advantage going in you know a head start against the Dutch if you take it that you'd love to you'd like to see France go and win in, in Holland again you know when they meet which is actually October so there's a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and then so look we always knew going into this group it was going to be uh, a struggle it was going to be difficult that was inevitable um, but I think probably um there was that slight feeling that it would be a good time to catch France there's no doubt about that that's probably evaporated maybe a small bit when you watch last night and you see that actually as well it's not so much as they won 
it's that they won easily so it didn't the game was over in 20 minutes yeah so and, and I think like I watched a lot of France in the World Cup and this is the thing about them like they they actually conserve their energy pretty well like they're they trust in the sort of explosive capabilities of their forward players in the sense that um, and this is probably we'll, we'll talk more about the game on Monday in more detail but they're, they're happy enough to let opposing teams have the ball so it's naturally we talk about Ireland playing against France and think of Ireland against a stronger team you think well you're going to have to really sit in a bit at times or I know Stephen Kenny wouldn't necessarily say that but still like, you're going to still have to sit in a bit at times they're going to have a lot of the ball um, France don't always engineer that situation like they're happy enough sometimes to play with um, and I, you'd imagine they'll do it again with Schumeni and, and Rabiot um, and then they have their front four with Griezmann and whoever the front three is and so they're not looking to say dominate the ball it's more a case of let's wait for the opposing team to make mistakes and, and then they'll pounce on it quickly yeah. and, and you saw that last night um, that, that you know it could deceive you into thinking okay like uh, the Dutch had a lot of, lot of the ball at times and they had chances but France just going to kill you in a minute so um, that's obviously there's a layer of complexity around the Irish game plan for the game and not to be probably sucked into traps by France which I think is, is possibly a part of it and we have this sort of preconceived notions for how we might talk about this game we imagine Ireland being pegged back relentlessly but France don't always seek that from the opposing team and it's just something to be conscious not of. a shut up shop try to hit the man with a set piece or something 1-0 win well I just don't think the game will follow that pattern right you know I just can't see the game will follow that pattern and, and like France We'll see. Like a lot, a lot of it depends on their mindset and and their approach. I mean, I suppose if you want to be completely positive and and take the complete green tinted glass half full, whatever you want to call it, like you know the Dutch did have um, that bug run through the camp. It was a weakened team. You know, France got ahead early and didn't get a proper test. Weirdly, as you would say, playing against the top side who are like you know top seeds technically in the group. Um, so you, you kind of wonder, could France still maybe still be, could Ireland actually ruffle their feathers a little bit more than the Dutch did? And, and maybe France arrive with some kind of air of complacency that they'll probably look at the group. They wouldn't have any stress about this group at all, really. They'll look at the three teams below them, seedings-wise, uh, Ireland, Greece and Gibraltar, and think, I think we'll be OK. But the fact that maybe they've, they've won that game against the Dutch, like the big game, they almost arrive in such a way that they're maybe not expecting a, 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 as tough a test on Monday as Ireland will hopefully provide them that's a very optimistic slant in it but you have to be optimistic like what's the point in, in living otherwise well, you, you know, know we've another two hours we've another two hours to go on the show yeah but like, I think in the context of the group I'd be happy enough with that result last night I think if the, like the Dutch have changed manager and that was always a slight um, potential you know Koeman's coming back um, you're kind of hoping that maybe they have a, a rough year I think that's the best that's the best chance when Deschamps stayed on at France and there's a bit of continuity and you look at the profile of their squad going through them and the age profile it's, it's very hard I to see I think it was a good a move year. actually for him to make Mbappe captain because you're, you're getting the buy-in as well Messi style for him to lead it yeah, well, I mean, well, obviously, I mean, Griezmann maybe wasn't chuffed about it, but um, I think even just looking at the, the way they can play as well, like I know they didn't, they, Giroud was on the bench last night, so they played Colin Moani, who's who's very effective. Uh, Coleman come in because Dembele's out at the moment, um, and it's pace and and. But even if you look at the profile of the the, the the other young players in the squad who didn't necessarily play, they're all generally under 25, 26, you know. So um, I think expecting France to chuck it in this year is probably um, optimistic whereas maybe you could look at the Dutch a little bit more change a manager you know, we talk 
we watch Van Dijk regularly maybe not the player maybe just not the force he was um, and you know the goalkeeper situation you can pick holes you can pick holes you can find holes yeah, you can yeah. find you can you, and I think this is my point about why I wanted France yes, to win yeah, yeah. is that Ireland play the Dutch in the second half of the group the, the profile of the Dutch here is a little bit unusual that they have the Nations League finals in the summer so they don't play in June so they play Gibraltar on Monday then after that they switch out of this group completely until September when they play Greece at home and they come to Dublin and I think where Ireland almost need to be is in a situation where the Dutch are playing catch up at yes, that stage yeah, yeah. and that's why for me like the whole Irish group Monday I think anything is a bonus the whole Irish group and their prospects revolves around winning in Greece in June um, they'll beat Gibraltar in June and having some kind of head start you know psychologically going into September that can create some put some kind of pressure on the Dutch and this could all appear wildly optimistic why not at, so? at 9.30 on Monday night but I'm just saying that yeah. that's the route I wanted anyway David Myler um, you did this in 2015 you were on the pitch at the very end of the game when we beat the world champions Germany huge part of our progression to the finals in France the following year are there things that you need to get right are there things that happen is there a momentum there that can help us is there any kind of template for this, what we're going to face on Monday? I don't think there's a template for it. Um, a lot of these games, when you play the the so-called super nations, the big teams with the, the, the players who can change, your Mbappes, your Griezmanns, who can change a game at any moment. I think in those games, that, you, know, you, you mentioned there, certainly the Germany one we played at home, like we defended deep for long periods. You need your goalkeeper to be you know, obviously have one of those games um, where they're on fire and then it's just about cutting off as much supply to the, the attacking players. Now, like, even if we look at Monday with, say, if we if we end up, we're going to be pinned in at times, that's just natural when France do kind of push push hard on us when they, they're moving the ball around quickly. We're going to be, we're going to be in a, back, a flat back five, probably four across the middle. And that's, that's the point where we need to frustrate your Mbappe's Griezmann's not allowing any spaces in between the pockets where they can pick up the ball and they can hurt us. Now, I think our biggest problem will be, certainly with the way Steven's trying to play, is we're going to try and, obviously, when it happens, get possession and try and dictate play. Um, as Dan touched on there, France do like to sit off. and It's probably, for them, they're looking to catch you in a trap. That's what could hurt us if we're trying to be a, a little bit expansive, trying to play out that your Mbappe's and that, your Moani's, whoever it may be, even Turam, they'll cheat and they'll stay high up. And then if we turn over possession, leaving, you know, centre-backs isolated in 1v1 areas against the likes of Mbappe, there's not a lot you can do because the player is so good, so quick, he's so skillful. Um, but certainly there will be a game plan in place and it's about, a lot of these games are about staying in it for as long as you can. Like you touched on the Netherlands game, like you concede early, you're then, you have to then go on the front foot to kind of go and get back into the game. And that's where spaces appear and that's where you get punished against the top teams. So what should his tactics be then, Stephen Kenny, on Monday, in your view? <laughs> um, look, first the first thing you go, what will the selection be? Yeah, should, should Smallbone um, get in, by the way? Should he get into the team? I think I think he's done himself no harm with his performance tonight. He's obviously performed well in under twenty one level, um, and obviously now he's doing well at Stoke. Which John O'Shea, obviously being in there, will have worked with him on a daily basis, so he knows exactly what he's going to bring to the table. Um, it's such a the magnitude of the game is massive, and you throw someone in at that at that point. Obviously, Josh Cullen didn't start tonight. You expect him to come straight back in. Um, he's the one that kind of keeps the team ticking, so he's vital to that 
to the way Stephen's trying to play. So that's one position already gone. Um, does he does he go for an extra body in midfield with a kind of more defensive minded ten, say, um, someone who could run in behind but also track back? Um, that's the kind of they're the questions you're looking at. Where where do like you could potentially play Smallborn in that position where he's looking? I imagine Evan will lead the line, um, but you get someone like Smallborn up next to him who can then drop back into midfield so that when we are overloaded and France have good possession, we can get bodies behind the ball and we can make it difficult for them. Um, it certainly is an interesting one, but like that's probably the way I would lean. Um, like if you're going to, if Stephen, I, I don't think he'll change for the 3 4 3 um, that he's been playing, um, but it's certainly getting, getting bodies back when we turn over possession because there's going to be certainly with the players we have and the style we're trying to play we're going to have periods of the game where we're going to have good possession of the ball and we have to use that well and we have to be brave and show um, but when we turn it over we're going to have to get bodies behind the ball and we're going to have to be solid and we're going to have to be hard to break down now that has always been something that's been apparent with Ireland over the last oh, what 20-30 years um, it's just at that moment if we're now become expansive where the, the back three split wide the wing backs push way on if we do turn over possession and we're isolated in areas where your Mbappe's on the left, Moani, whoever it be, Turam, if they're Kingsley Coleman, you look at the rate talent they have, if whoever it is, they're capable of beating any player in the world one-on-one in a wide area. And that's where we have to be mindful of not allowing. It's going to happen at some point, but can we limit the number of times those players are picking the ball up in wide areas going 1v1 against us? I was, I'm just curious, I mean, David, like, I'm just curious I mean, from the player's perspective. I know maybe the Irish team you played in had a slightly different style, but like, I'm thinking for this game on Monday, um, the, like, those traps that you mentioned um, you know, that, that France can set. Um, like, I've come around to thinking, I know Evan, we talk about Evan leading the line, but is it sort of essential that that maybe Stephen plays an Ogbené or I don't know, is it a if it was a fit Adam Ida even, um, he's maybe not fit or he's a dead or Obafemi to a lesser extent, someone who can sort of run those channels a little bit and uh, to sort of vary it up from falling into those traps to have the ability to, to sort of clip the ball down the sides if you're under a little bit of pressure. Like I'm sort of thinking they probably have to have that option in the game now. Um, I don't know what your thinking would be. Well, it's, I suppose there's two ways you can look at it. You might talk about it going from the start that way. Um, like I would look at, if you looked at Michael, Michael hasn't been playing regular football. Yeah. Um, so then already in my mind, I'm thinking, well, how long is he going to last the game? How much am I going to be able to get out of him? Do I get 50, like 50 minutes, 60 minutes? So you're already thinking that's one substitute. You know, and then I'm looking at like, well, Evan's been playing regularly. He's in good form. Confidence is high. Um, he's well able to stretch him behind. He's well able to hold the ball up. I think that part of his game has come on enormously since he's gotten into Brighton, in and around Brighton's first team. So like, Yurag Bene, um, that's another option. Like, could be one way, like, obviously he came on the other day. Um, like, that could be one that he could lead. He could start from the start. It could be just to freshen, you know, freshen things up. Certainly, we have to, the big thing is we have to offer a threat going forward, which I believe Stephen will approach the game in that way um, because it can't be just a case of backs against the wall. So, like, you know, the four of us could sit here and try and pick an 11, but yet... There's so many little matchups that we're not sure of where, you know, who will play. Um, and that's something, you know, that the, this squad of players has now. There is a group a group of players who could all potentially put their hand up to play. 
that's something that we've probably not had over the last 36, seven years. Johnny Ward, you've uh, observed a papal silence for about 15 minutes now, so you've been gathering your thoughts. I have nothing to say on the matter, actually. Um, <laughs> you'd be glad to hear. Um, First time ever. You would be a little bit frightened watching some of the game last night and just thinking, like, and, and Dan's on about the French, you know, springing these traps. Like, you could even see um, our first two goals are, were quite similar uh, the other night. I think it was uh, passes from Collins to Malumbi, who did extremely well the first time because if Malumbi didn't reach that ball, Ireland were really, really under pressure. And then for, um, you know, the first Latvia goal, as much as it's a, it's a brilliant strike, Doherty gives the ball away in a dangerous area, and you can see Latvia straight away on it. There's committing players forward thinking Ireland are vulnerable and I got the feeling the other night and you don't want to read too much into it but you know quite a few of those players will be involved on Monday night I, I still think we look very vulnerable with that system uh, when we lose the ball um, and I thought our defence didn't look that solid I don't think Kelleher did his did his own kind of chance of playing um, in the near future any favours either and it was just unfortunate for him but um, we just didn't look that secure and I do wonder will we play some sort of maybe like a 5-4-1 system with Ferguson leading the line but as what Dan was alluding to there with some sort of pace around him but I, I, I'm really not sure what midfield he plays like what, what players are sort of crying out to start I was delighted the small bone played the other day I was really interested how he get on the bits I've seen of him he looked a lovely technical footballer and I thought he was brilliant I thought he was our best player really um, and I would probably be inclined to think that he might start against France and what Dan says is right as well France aren't a massive possession team but you know when you think back on the Six Nations game where the two teams started kicking the ball um, essentially back to each other a lot there might be parallels with that on, on Monday because we can get into a situation where we have like we bring our players high up the pitch and start passing the ball around in dangerous areas because we just can't do that we can't leave Mbappe with any space whatsoever we don't have the pace in our, in our back four or five whatever it is to deal with him not to mind uh, the other French threats and France will be uh, conscious of that so it's going to be a game of cat and mouse I think um, we are not we will have some of the ball but our, 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 our uh, defenders can't really get high up the pitch at any stage and there were positives the other night I thought um Ferguson, considering his lack of experience, did well. Smallbone was a positive. Um, and we do all of a sudden look like scoring goals. But I think if you think back to the Portugal game at home, when they had so much quality on the pitch, we actually didn't concede that many chances. And Kenny is perfectly able to be a conservative manager when needs must. And needs must on Monday because we can't go toe-to-toe with France or we're just going to cough up chances. Um, and Bazuna's coming in. And I'm not entirely sure what Bazuna's confidence levels are right now coming back into the Ireland team after a trying season at South Hampton so we need to we need to keep it tight um, we need to be good at set pieces and, and this is going back to the old way of thinking but we do need to stop them from being able to spring those traps because I don't have enough confidence in our passing ability Cullen is going to be massive but other than that I don't really know what sort of midfield we play and I'm not entirely sure what system he's going to play either I think if Smallbone starts that's a dramatic change of plan Look, that the plan has changed I'm not convinced that he will um, now it's possible um, and like you watch him play and, and you listen to Kenny talk about him um, but Jason Knight didn't play on Wednesday for a reason um, and that was you said the same but Bazunu, Egan Bazunu, Bazunu, Egan, Colin, Colin, yeah. Colin Jason, Jason yeah. Knight um, and I'd be very surprised if he went in without Malumbi as well um, just because he's someone who is Disruptor a bit yeah. yeah exactly so I think if if I, I know sort of David references the 3-4-3 three, three, and like sometimes it's a 3-5-2 right? I mean you can get bogged down in numbers you can, you can be in possession out of possession or whatever um, but like I think if he I, I would have thought he would probably reunite that 
trio again, the Cullen, Malumbi and Knight. So then the question is, you'd imagine Evan Ferguson plays. So the question is, who's your sort of fifth um, outfield player um, in that sort of forward department? And like, I spoke about the other day with, with Nathan here about Smallbone maybe playing too, and you could almost have that sort of midfield box that some teams actually play. Um, Shamrock Rovers play at home here actually a sort of box with like two and two. But again, what I'm saying initially, you think about maybe just needing that little bit of pace that speed like Kenny um, speaking after the game the other night was very much about speed we need speed for this game Callum recurring word. on the left like Odetta will definitely yeah, play yeah, okay. on, the, on the left I think barring a sort of again a dramatic change of heart so I think that might be informing the thinking around certain decisions so for me Smallbone just misses out um, I have to say and those those other options I mentioned play but like you know that's that's probably part of the consideration I know what Johnny says about getting caught against Latvia again I suppose the one thing I would say it's not about the defence playing high it's about the team just being a bit more compact sometimes I think sometimes against the lesser teams they actually leave that big gap to be exploited but generally in the better against the better teams the, the blocks have been a little bit closer together and they haven't allowed those type of chances to build up now the one ex- exception I would probably say is the Serbia game at home actually where Ireland really could have been opened up in that match that was one of those where um, at times I think Stephen Kenny would probably argue he's been unlucky I think that was one game where Ireland were definitely lucky um, but I mean against Portugal and some of the other games um, they were actually quite disciplined and I think um, if John Egan comes back in I think they'll probably avoid the scenario where these big gaps open up at times between the defence and the midfield when they lose the ball up the pitch a bit um, so I'd imagine they'd be more tuned in for this game in that department and I don't think I'm not sure to what extent even the Latvia game is analysis at all that's relevant to France I think the entire feel of it the entire mindset of the team and everything will be different and the the, the thing about Ferguson taking on with say Canati as well if that happens again like he's he's a bit of previous against Canati nothing to fear there but if Malumbi does play I'd be very very fearful of that because um, the energy he offers is one thing but um if he isn't to get booked in the first half he's going to have to take away an element of his game that's a key part of his game and he is a real loose cannon at times and we spoke about this last week and he was he was good he was very good in parts on, on Monday but playing Malumbi is very risky in that sense because he's he's a high high risk of getting booked in the first 20 minutes and then he's walking a tightrope where he's not making tackles um, but again we're not exactly crying out with alternatives either uh, David, obviously, look, if it's a technical game on a carpet, France are going to win. Like, the, It's going to be absolutely buzzing on Monday. It's going to be a full house. The first game of the year, like competitive game. Um, how do we get under the French skin in terms of aggression, in terms of you know playing on the edge and obviously not going over the line? But how do we, gonna, how do we, how do we make it uncomfortable for them? Well, we've got to set the tempo, whether that be, I know what Johnny's talking about there, but it could be that. It could be the first time Mbappe touched the ball, someone cleans him out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Setting the tempo, lifts the crowd, gets everyone, you know, off their seats, creates an atmosphere. Um, as much as they are, you know, one of the best teams country-wise in the world, we can't be fearful. We've got to, you know, turn up and, you know, take on the challenge. You know, you're going man be man. Take them on. Um, you know, relish that challenge of going up against, you know, a Champions League type player who's playing for France. That's what it, that's what it's all about. That's the that's the enjoyment of playing in these games. These are games you should look forward to. Like I imagine, even there the other night when you're playing Latvia, you, deep down in your mind you think, let me just get through this, play well, and not get hurt. Because mm. the one is you want to play against France, and if the players can go out there and you know make a tackle, 
be on the front foot, play a ball forward. Somebody gets like, you know, into an area, creates a chance or whatever. It just gets the crowd. You have to give the crowd something to cheer about. Do you feel the energy of that? Do you feel that when you're playing in the middle of it? Oh, 100%. You know, like even games you've been to, all three of you, when someone takes a, someone takes a shot and a keeper makes a save and it goes out for a corner, there's almost just this lift. Do you know what I mean? It's like it, it feeds into the, you know, into the players and you, you, you get that sense of, well, we can do this here. We can go and we can score. Um, like I know it's it's probably the, one of the worst cliches in football. You know, the crowd is 12 man, but it does bring when you're at home and the crowd are right behind you, it does give you that extra little boost um, and you do feel it. Um, likewise, on the flip of that, if it's going against you, you do hear that too. But, you know, that's what the, the players have to go out and they have to give the fans something to get behind. Um, and that's what they need to do. Dan Dan did reference this as well the other night. I mean, it was sort of a strange atmosphere. Like, there were a lot, lot It was of, an awful night weather-wise. Yeah, well, I mean, that wouldn't have mattered if, if it were France. Like, you, the, the weather would have been um, completely irrelevant if France were coming to town. If it's the same weather Monday night, it won't make any difference. The place is going to be absolutely, like, raucous. And it was the same, I thought, like, for some of the games last year, even the, the Portugal game, Serbia game, and they, they didn't hold a candle to this in terms of significance for me. Um, it was really, really buzzing. And it wasn't like that the other night. And I think that will help. You do fear for Ireland though if um like you can't concede early in this game, like because you know, you really have to keep it at Nil all as as, as long as suck possible. it all suck the air out. Like and, and look look at the Dutch and I, I think I think France, like four nil against the Dutch, I think is probably I didn't see the game, but it's it's gotta be a flattering result. Like the, the Dutch the goalkeeper issues, terrible goalkeeper mistake with the second goal, and they went in under you know, with obviously the it wasn't virus. That flattering. Um, I know what you're saying in the context well, I, I, on paper, I, I, but not, not that the results flattering. But I, I think it was a good thing in the sense that oh my god, France, these these lads are unbeatable. Where they, they're not unbeatable, they have flaws as well. And Ireland, I really don't see Ireland getting absolutely hammered in this. I think it'll be a lot closer, and I think we're going into it in a better situation than the Dutch with the new manager that is probably under a bit of a cloud himself. So I think that could be a good thing to focus Irish minds because France aren't they're not in, they're not like a four 0 team against the Dutch. That that can be misleading as well. We're, we're going to do okay I think as was pointed out you might just prefer to be playing the Dutch on Monday with the situation yeah. there and the only like the, the, the last half empty view is that of course come September they'll have sorted out a lot of these issues and they'll have yeah. the players back they, they, have had, they have had dud campaigns they I know they have they have it in them yeah. and, and, and also da- Van Hal is a good international manager and he's gone absolutely and, and, da- da- like, and I think on the flip side of that Deschamps like if you, the more you look into Deschamps he's a brilliant manager of people and the Mbappe's reason situation doesn't seem to be a big deal may not be the same for Koeman and like our, that was right like France just running away with every other game is definitely what we want here because um, the Dutch would be no certainties whatsoever to be Koeman's a grand manager he's not a he's great 60, manager. Yeah, he's, grand, he's 60 now grand. as well and he went for, he went four at the back last night didn't he um, I don't know I mean that game was over after 10 minutes I, I don't think it's going to be over after 10 minutes on Monday listeners out there 53106 what do you think about Monday are you going are you buzzed um, who'd you like to see in the team David Myler Dan McDonnell and Johnny Ward on Football Saturday love to hear from you and we're back after this Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports And welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday on News Talk John Duggan with you through to five This is Football Saturday Remember Football on Off The Ball brought to you by Sky Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sports and Premier Sports You can text us 53106 Tweet us at Off The Ball We're streaming the conversation as well You can uh, listen on News Talk Also watch us on the Off The Ball digital and social channels for Twitter at Off The Ball YouTube and on Facebook We also podcast the show 
on the Off the Ball section of the Go Loud Network every week. So it's also available wherever you get your pods. Joined, delighted to be on the line by the former Republic of Ireland midfielder David Myler, and in studio is the football correspondent of the Irish Independent Dan McDonnell and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. Just on this uh, Six Nations game, Ireland uh, really struggling, 26 points to nil down at half time. So. Um, that is what the situation is there. And Scotland are in action today as well in the um, European Championship qualifier against Cyprus. They're 1-0 up. John McGinn with the goal. Now 31-0 to Wales against Ireland in Cardiff in the Women's Six Nations. David Myler, I suppose we've asked everybody in the world about their opinion about Evan Ferguson, but he looked very comfortable the other night. His first start, his first goal, and it is all going to plan for him as an 18-year-old. Like, it's it's some progression he's had. It's incredible. Um, just before COVID, I was working with him at 17s. If you would say, like, three years on, that he'd be leading the line for Ireland, scoring goals in the Premier League. But I said, come back to me in another two years. Um, the boys hit the ground running. Honestly, he just... He's just gone on leaps and bones um, in his development. With a, like, he's turning into a complete forward. Um, and he's only going to you know, continue to get better. He's at a fantastic place in Brighton where he's learning um, and just, you know, to see him now in the senior team scoring, um, it's just, it's just brilliant. And, you know, long may it continue. Um, I hope, I hope he scores many goals for Ireland. Where is he? Um, is he the most exciting teenager in world football? Oh my God. Um, I, I, well, we're going to say he's, he's got to be up there, but like, you'd have to, you'd have to, I'd have to sit down and look around and see what other teenagers there are. Um, certainly, Evan, like, you see that it's not, it, there was always going to be vast amount of talk in Ireland um, because it's just that way that the Irish get madly fond on someone. If I remember, I was on the show a few weeks ago with you, Johnny, you were getting super excited every time he touched the ball. But yeah, yeah. The, well, that was a the noise, Saturday, to be fair. Yeah. The, noise, the noise in the UK about him um, is certainly one. Because you you wouldn't really get that um, that amount of talk about a young player who who's not English and they're raving about him. His certainly his performances in the Premier League have been brilliant, um, and he's just he's just growing and growing, and he's taking everything in his stride, um, and it's exciting. The, the, I suppose the thing for me, um, JD, if you look back on the photos of the game, um, that what's becoming a kind of a famous game now. He was fourteen and he played against Chelsea, and it, it is quite striking how big he is, but. A lot of these sort of tall players, I think I think it might have been said of Troy Parrott that sort of physically and pace-wise, others match kind of caught up with him as he got older. Whether that's true or not, Troy was a bit of a star when he was younger. Um, and a lot of these Irish stars, I think they go over and they plateau physically. And then, I suppose, confidence-wise as well, that might be difficult in that. They're not, they're not that superior anymore. Whereas with Evan Ferguson, um, he's still only 18. And when you see, you know, that's, that goal he scored against Arsenal um, coming off the bench um, on the start, I think that was his first goal in the Premier League the performance against Liverpool against Canate against these really strong Premier League defenders what he's doing at 18 and he hasn't actually stopped growing and I think that physical aspect of his game is one thing and then uh, I just think with Brighton as well he's learned how to get involved in play to come deep to um, Kenny spoke about this quite eloquently actually the system that they play and it's a unique system but he's 
he's developed at a very good level and you're th- th- I think some of the players references I'm not sure all of these Ireland players by any means are going into camp um, full of confidence at the moment because they're not playing at club level hard to know what Doherty um, how he'll you know rank up against very good players Evan Ferguson probably thinks he can literally do anything at the moment and that and that's that's a big thing for us that's the fearlessness of youth as well you're not thinking about it when you're young uh, you, it reminds me of Alan Shearer as a young player that's the one player I kind of made the physique and the you know the ability yeah it's funny listening a lot of the ex-pros are talking about his movement though being a thing like naturally we're talking about his physical capabilities um, but it's actually sometimes that ability that yeah. sort of almost innate ability just to, to be in the right place yes. yeah. and I think that's the point of it really like some of his goals aren't great to look at but it's no coincidence that he's, right he's, he's right in the right, right place right. a lot and, he, and even the one the other night is an example of that like he, the ball looks like it's it's dead you know but he's anticipating it and that's that's the thing now it is exciting I mean like there's no doubt about it. like he's 18 years of age like you have to you want to temper that um, you know what I was thinking I was like God, Evan Ferguson when he's like the, the grizzled veteran it's like it's going to be what 17 years from now you're talking like what the 20 2038 World Cup or something Wonder where like that'll that. be it's a way to which Gulf state will that be yeah in? exactly you know it's, it might, might not exist at the moment it doesn't exist anymore but it's a scary thought but like it, Look, like as and as David knows this well, like the margins are so fine when it comes to qualifying for these tournaments. Generally, like Ireland are around the edge of playoffs and and around the edge of their and like at some stage, Ferguson is will get Ireland to a tournament at some stage. I'm not sure if it's going to be this one, you know. But having someone like him around, touch wood, stays clear of injury, no concerns about attitude or anything like that. So just needs a bit of luck on the injury front. Like that is the difference maker. And at times, and I know sometimes Martin O'Neill, like it was a line that he he probably played on too often to the point that it just became repetitive. But he, like he did talk about, it, we'd wish he had a younger Robbie Keane, you know. And and like it it is a thing now where you feel across the next decade. Um, like having a decade and longer just having Evan Ferguson there might just be the difference maker at times when, when Ireland need it and that's what they've definitely in recent years Ireland have often had to work very hard to score you know and, and someone who can make it look easy Shane Duffy's got most of the goals for a while yeah mm. yeah and like there's still a challenge I think to accommodate him in as Johnny referenced like you know how he plays at Brighton like they're so um, there's such like Stephen Kenny was talking about the system it's like a 4-2-4 four, four. the wingers play higher than the strikers and how Ireland plays sometimes like the width is coming from the wing backs maybe and, and it's just not a complete replica and that's why you have to be a little bit patient and not just expect it just to click straight away Um but like all the right people are seeing are seeing things that you want you know you want to hear people talking about yeah um, and it's not just about his raw physical attributes which are which are great attributes but I think it's the intelligence to go with it as well So we'll go through the scores from elsewhere folks uh, Wales 31 Ireland nil in the Women's Six Nations Rory McIlroy 2 up now at the turn against Lucas Herbert in the last 16 of the world match play uh, Scotland are 1-0 up against Cyprus in their Euro qualifier that's ongoing we also have Shelburne 1 Galway United 2 in the Women's Premier Division Jenny Slattery and Aoife Thompson with goals for Galway Galway down to 10 players Bohemians nil, P-Mount United nil. DLR Waves and Athlone Town kick off at 4 Connacht 15 Edinburgh nil in the URC Cottle Ford and Connor Oliver with tries David Hawkshaw with a penalty in the Hurling League Division 1 relegation playoff Westmeath 
beat Leash by 324 to 126 at West Meadsdale, but Leash are relegated. In Division 2A, Offaly are into the final. They'll play Kildare now after 23 points to 19 win over Kerry. In Division 2B, the semi there, uh, sorry, 3A, the semi final, Armagh 223, Monaghan 16 points in 3B, Leitrim 216, Longford 112, Cork beat Meath 28 to 11 points in the Little Ladies National Football League Division 1. In the Camogie League Division 1A, Kilkenny 5 points to Barreri 4 in Division 1B, Waterford 316, Dan 10 points at full time. It is Limerick 210, Offaly 114. And the Irish Lincolnshire has gone to the William Haggis trained. Latam at 8-1 to one, beating two Adam McGuinness horses Saltonstall and Casanova with San Air uh, fourth in a bit race. of your loyalties away there JD you do love the uh, the Adam McGuinness ah, sure look a bit of Shamrock Thoroughbreds uh, mm. doesn't do anybody any harm 25s and 40s second and third in the Lincoln that's, that's it uh, David Myler are you seeing any because uh, you know you're involved in under 17 coaches with Ireland are you seeing any kind of new Evan Ferguson types coming through without putting any pressure on them <laughs> he, uh, types as well not just one type like few of them yeah look there's um, obviously it was a few years ago Evan came through and we missed the year with COVID but there are some fantastic attacking players coming through likewise with defenders um, obviously we're just back from Cyprus there not so long ago where we had Italy, Ukraine and Cyprus in our group and we ended up topping the group uh, with seven points we drew with Italy beat the other two and um, do you know what I mean there's a, there's a lot of very good young players um, but there's a lot of work in front of them you know in order to get to the senior level but there's definitely so many different um, encouraging signs that these players can go on. Um, even like it's crazy when I go into the into camp now and I talk to the coaches and whatever. Um, like you look at like Andrew, um, um Adam, um, Gavin, who else is there? Nathan, Jason, the two Jasons. Like they've all played under seventeen um, and they've gone on in the next what five six years and gone on to play for the senior team. Um, so there's incredible work going on in the underage system with Ireland, whether it be, you know, starting at the kind of 15s where it starts to get a little bit serious, then into the 16s, 17s and onwards. Um, and that's good um, because we need to be bringing through players all the time. Um, and certainly now, I think with those boys who I mentioned were in the first team, it shows the younger lads that there is a pathway to get there. Um they can get there. Is there much alignment, David, in terms of philosophy? And it's it's not like Ireland, even the, the international senior team, has a particularly definitive way of playing. It does seem to be evolving. But, um, you know, you see the under-15s winning 6-0 the other night and, like, the 17s, you know, doing what they've been doing and getting to the a major tournament again. And, like, is there an alignment from 15s up to 21s in terms of, did, like, do the coaches kind of liaise with each other? Do you have, like, WhatsApp groups? Or, like, is there anything from the top down to say this is the way we want, you know, because ultimately it's about playing with the senior team? I think the big thing in, in my time being there is the head coaches with, you know, with the 15s, with Jason Dundu, Paulo Zam with the 16s, Colin O'Brien with the 17s. Um, then you've got Tom Wan at the 19s, Jim Crawford at the 21s. They're all very close and they have great relationships with one another. Um, I imagine there's kind of probably a blanket over it where there is a style of play which replicates the first team. Obviously, the formation is slightly different, um, but the philosophy in which the teams are expected to play is very similar so that a player can naturally progress and the system is you know, quite similar. Um the relationship those coaches have with another is, is fantastic. And I've been able to see that firsthand over the last few years. Um, even to the point like where I get messages off the coaches, the other coaches from the other national teams before our game saying good luck and whatever. Um, and that's, that's, 
Look, I wasn't involved in underage Irish football, so I didn't see, you know, I only got I only got in at 19, so I didn't see the work that went on before that. Um, but I look at the boys at my age group who played under 15, 16, 17, none of them progressed onto the senior team. Um, I was one of the, one of those who came late. Obviously, as we spoke about their physical attributes and your development come at different points in, you know, young boy or girl's life. Um, but certainly now with this, there is, there is a great and a ladder in place where the coaches all work together uh, and we're seeing that with the progression of players. Uh, 53106 for your texts. Um, how has Cater his chances of playing for Ireland? What could he have done about the goals against Lafley? People who haven't played the game to a decent standard making ridiculous judgments, says one of our texters. Uh, uh, Kenny, he- Kenny, what's say Kenny has absolved Keller of blame for the second goal. I think Kenny said he watched it at first and he thought maybe Keller had made a mistake, but you watch it back and there was a big deflection off Collins. That oh, there was obviously said, a big he said, deflection. He said he had no chance. So, so does does your, was does he at fault for either goal? If he wasn't, then he hasn't really. Had I, I didn't like his. Um, you know, he went with his what was his right hand for the first goal um, maybe Bizuna would have saved I don't know I, I still don't know how good Keller is he hasn't shown to me first that team football is everything though yeah so you're, you're kind of like what is, Ke- is Keller even a Premier League goalkeeper I don't yes, know is yes. he definitely yeah. ah, look, he's yeah, the, I, I see the composure he's played with at times when he's been dropped in mm. to Liverpool there's no doubt he needs to leave now I think he's got to a stage where he's what 23, 24 and he's, I don't think he's played five league games If the texter thinks he did, he did if, if the texter actually thinks he did he, he did himself some favours in terms of forms the other night well then he or she knows even less than I do because clearly he didn't Can't be the bit of Texan uh, It's encouraging to hear Dan sounding a bit more positive about Ireland's prospects now than he was at the start when he was all doom and gloom So I'm still, I'm still <laughs> absolutely fuming about the group to be clear yeah. like the group like you look at the other let's see the group Northern Ireland are in it's like as fifth seeds they've got a better chance than, than Ireland do as third seeds I mean it's unbelievably un- unlucky that France not caring about the Nations League has had the, the the sort of the spin-off effect that it was always going to hurt. And England as well. England were the other one who probably in the Nations League, England and France both building towards the World Cup, both had a good World Cup. Nations League stuff didn't matter but put them as second seeds. Some poor suckers were going to suffer. Here we are. This is a great goal by Scotland. just scored a second a against Cyprus here. Great goal by Scotland. McTominay um, on the end of a really good move. Have to say that Scottish jersey um, has to be right up there, doesn't it, Jiddy? No sponsor as well, which is obviously lovely. Have you got the new Irish jersey yet, have you? It's, I think it's only been delivered in April. I, I like it without, like, I'm not blown away by it. I'm a, bit like, I'm a bit like, you know, the older you get, you're like, there are too many jerseys, you don't really care anymore. I quite like it without being, t- I, I prefer the Scottish jersey. There was a photo of, um, doing the rounds on Twitter yesterday, I retweeted about the 1991 team that played France which had Lawrenson, Whelan, O'Leary, Brady, Stapleton, uh, Kevin Moore and all that and being this beautiful O'Neill's uh, yeah, the old, uh, the old jersey mm-hmm. 1981 I, I thought now they say this jersey honours Paul McGrath's first uh, his debut I think his first year 85 I think 85, 86 um, yeah um, yeah it's nice um uh, that's interesting. It's funny how I'm not going to name the club now, but one uh, League of Ireland kind of member uh, was on to me about like it's it's weird how the dynamics of like merchandise in the League of Ireland has got to a stage where um, he was able to say to me the the guys modelling the jersey the the fits nowhere near tight enough. It looks too baggy. Like they've made a huge mistake here, and it was like God, yeah. The the League of Ireland is cu- suddenly becoming very well able to market itself. Certainly, some clubs. I don't know who that club is, Johnny. Yeah, no, no, they talked no. about it on social media already. I didn't see that part. Oh, of it, so both, there we go. Yeah. Just to finish that texture, no, no up, comment actually. Yeah. We're up against it on Monday. You have the jersey done. 
I don't care. I'll just yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll start it, so yeah. I'll finish like a mastermind here. Uh, rub against it on Monday, but a positive result is certainly possible if we do play to our full potential. Also, particularly at home, in front of a packed view, we do tend to lift our performances for the bigger games. I predict a score draw. Shane on YouTube, we're playing Greece away the worst possible ones. 40 degrees in heat in Athens during June. You take a draw away and beat them in Dublin. Yeah, that's not going to be good. When was the last time you wore a football jersey outside of Astro? Oh, it's a long time ago, Johnny. Is this you're, a professional you're, thing? You're so yeah. true to being a professional in Paris. Yeah. Well, no, actually, that's not true. So, was, um, when I so was, it, is it the Harplager and Astro? No, not true, because I actually travelled travelled around South America a bit when I was younger and I bought a Uruguay, uh, a replica Uruguay, Uruguay jersey from the 1950 World Cup final. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, so I actually did collect a lot of jerseys when I was travelling around. So I have jerseys like Vietnam, Uruguay, um, Oh, like uh, Baca and various other places, countries have been. So actually, I do have them. I keep them, but I wouldn't necessarily wear them at the shops. If no. Ireland qualify for the Euros, will you wear an Ireland jersey in studio one day? Mm, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> That's a bit mad, isn't it? No, I just I, I'm not mad in the whole optics of like the old media team sitting there in jerseys. It's like there's FBI media <laughs> interviews that can do that. No, oh, that was funny. He'll, he'll be in here with a knockoff Torino gear or something <laughs> from the eighties. Like, and he can he can just wear that casually, but um. Oh, like you don't don't need to do that. David Motter, do you go around um, wearing jerseys? I know you used to have this amazing, like all these framed beautiful jerseys on on the back of your wall, but do you, do you wear jerseys as casually, kind of like, you know, just pick up no. like an Anderlecht away or something? I do. Um, the, only, the last time I wore a shirt um, was, do you know the Ajax Away kit, the all black one? Yeah. It was yeah. kind of the Bob Marley one. Um, I bought that when it, it was re-released by Ajax. I bought that for uh, my son and I, and one day he just said to me, we were going out and he said, Daddy, can you wear your kit? So I threw the jersey on and he had the jersey on. Um, but I wouldn't, no, I don't wear, I don't tend to wear football gear unless I'm working. Um, or if I'm playing five aside or a kickabout or something like that, I might throw you know, a jersey on or whatever. But no, I wouldn't. Yeah. Not even, not, not even a Liverpool one, David. No. Well, I did. The last time I wore a Liverpool shirt was Champions League final. Um, that was the last time. Back when they beat your mob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The less that, there was a Liverpool jersey there. The lads I was with had a bag of large jerseys and they were all going in one night. I said, I don't want to be the odd one out, so I threw it on. Just got a text in there about the FAI National League Academies as well. Like, David, how much how much do you think that helps going away from the hugely important jersey debate? How much does it help that essentially these kids are all at home as well when you're trying to get your squads together and, um, you know, it's not like the old days when literally the under-21s down practically was just full of English based players of course it does um, all, but there's probably positive and negative mm. um, because you said there if all the players are based in Ireland then it's easier to access them um, for training camps or if potentially you could get friendly games or whatever but then on the flip side of that what is the standard of their games um, if you have a, you know dominant Dublin based squad a lot of them are playing for one club or two clubs. Are they getting the level of football? Um, certainly, the, I would still stand by the work that has been done by a lot of the League of Ireland clubs now in their academy systems. Um, I know probably a little bit more about Cork City because a lot of the lads I play with when I was a kid, um, like who are involved now, um, certainly say with Colin Healy, Dan Murray, uh, Liam Carney was there for a long time. I'm not sure if he still is. Alan Bennett, those kind of fellas are in there and they have a great knowledge of the game they'll help those kids develop 
Like boys in Manchester. Liam's head of the academy. Yeah, yeah. he's still head of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they have, they, they. I mean, they have a good crop coming through. Like I'm actually looking. I mean, thing about it is that under seventeen age, where David is at, like a lot of them would always be at home if you know what I mean because mm. they're 16 and that's when they start to go yeah, away fair enough, like yeah. they have like you know Mason Melia who's 15 and some of these have, like the 19, we should mention the under 19s are playing today in a qualifier against Estonia now it's not all they had a disappointing defeat against Slovakia and Wexford the other day I don't think the conditions look great I don't think it helped them but it did, that team is there around 18 and the profile of them they've got Alex Murphy who was Galway's gone to Newcastle James Abanqua who's in Italy then you've got Kevin Zeffi Shamrock Rovers but now Inter Milan that is the group and then you have some lads still at home Ferris eyes on the bench today. James McManus from Bowes is starting. You've got Rocco Vata, uh, the son of the uh, Celtic legend Rudy. So he's qualified for numerous countries of playing for Ireland. That's a big game for them. But that's like that's the big age group because some of them have gone into top class academies in Europe already, or you know, good ones over overseas. Um, others are still playing at home and trying to play men's football that way. And the under nineteen age group is 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 probably the most interesting one in seeing how the lads who've stayed at home 16 to 18, how they measure up. I think that's a big... But even, big even so, Dan, to touch on your point, if you look at James, James is at Pats. Um, obviously, he broke into the first team. But like it's still the work has been done in the academy to get him to the first yeah. team level. And then he's gone on. Kevin was the same in Shamrock Rovers. Like There's obviously all sorts of talk of Justin moving. Um, yeah. Lots, you call, what is it, Faraji? Is that how Farazai, I think. Farazai, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like he's another one come through the Shamrock Rovers. Obviously, there is better coaching going on, um, and that's credit to the clubs for obviously employing these coaches or the coaches who are already there putting in the groundwork to make sessions and games better. Um, because it look we are producing more players, so that's really positive. Okay, uh, we're about to take a break here. Scotland about to win 3-0 against Cyprus. Scott McTominay has got a second goal. Uh, Galway United 2, Shelburne 1 in the Women's Premier Division. That's a result. Bohemians nil, P-Mount United nil is a half-time. And in League 1, Charlton 1, Wickham nil, half-time. All the other games, half-time as well. Extra 1, Accrington nil, Fleetwood 1, Lincoln 1, MK Dons nil, Morecambe nil, Peterborough nil, Derby nil, Portsmouth nil, Port Vale 2 in the Women's Six Nations. Not a great day for Ireland. Uh, 31-5 Wales lead at the Cardiff Arms Park. Dan McDonald and Johnny Ward in studio David Myler on the line on Football Saturday between 4 and 5 are Arsenal going to do it in the Premier League Soccer AM were you a fan and also on Monday are you going how do you feel about it do you feel like we can get something against France and who would you like to see in the team get in touch on 53106 it costs a 30 cent on Football Saturday here on Off the Ball on News Talk back after the news between 4 and 5 don't go away Football on Off the Ball with Sky Watch Premier League Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports And welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five on Football Saturday with Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent Studio, also the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward, and on the line is the former Republic of Ireland international David Myler. Wales thirty-one, Ireland five in the Women's Six Nations. Not the best of afternoons for them. Uh, five three one zero six. What do the lads think of uh, Michael Johnston? Says John and Kilkenny. So David Myler, uh, you like Jinky Johnston? He was a good uh, star for him in his Irish career off the wing the other night. Yeah, um, obviously coming onto the game, you want to. Whenever you make a change, you want you want that player to come on and have an impact. Um, got the ball in good areas, got his head up, and he drove at defenders. Um, obviously hitting the post, the ball falling back um, for the winning goal. But he certainly looked creative. Um, 
I still stand by the hardest thing I think in football to do is to actually beat someone 1v1. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks like he has a skill move in him where he can drop his shoulder and go by someone. Um, so he's certainly someone that Stephen can use going forward. Um, look, it was, what, 30-minute cameo? Um, but a lot of positives in that. He looked uh, he looked bright. He looked like he could um, offer something on, you know, in the, in the next couple of games and he could be someone that Stephen turns to. Yeah, is is it is it the hardest thing to score or to beat someone one v one? Because we haven't really been necessarily blessed with either of those for years. But I, I thought he I thought he was very very bright. I liked the story. It was in the papers today um, of uh, Kenny going over to see him in in Portugal. He wasn't playing, but meeting him up for a coffee afterwards, having a chat, and that's a bit of nice man management as well. And in fairness, I think this lad might have gone over the head of some other managers, maybe. Well, yeah, I think. Um like Kenny's always been looking for that type of player like in terms of the recruitment um, like you know the recruitment drive I think I I remember Kenny even a couple of years back when he was 21's manager speaking about maybe that there wouldn't have been a great sort of supply of wingers coming through even that 21's team he had would have been say like Aaron Connolly who would Aaron Connolly wouldn't describe himself as a winger at all he'd see himself as a more central striker he played Connolly out there and, and Kenny sort of felt Connolly maybe in recent years has lost some of his maybe dribbling one-on-one um, skill and around that time it would have been other players playing narrow like even Gavin Kilkenny is now like a, a, a sitting midfielder sometimes would play in wide at times for Kenny so he's always been aware of that and I think he was very adamant from when Johnson was brought in that he's going to play a part in the campaign um, now would he start any games in that campaign maybe not but he may always be the um, the go-to guy in off fact, the bench so, yeah. 5306 is Ferguson the greatest underage footballer in the world as uh, what Johnny asked uh, nearly crashed the car bonkers and hysterical <laughs> I, we give don't, the lad a chance as we, our we've, had, we've had enough car crashes on this show um, but we don't want an actual one my question I think was is he the most and I, I don't know enough of world football is he the most valuable uh, teenage player in world football at the moment Pedro, I, I, Pedro Gavi what is his value actually the kid who's gone from uh, the Brazilian kid uh, Endrick who's gone to Real Madrid like I mean I think it's a very sweeping statement like he's one of the most exciting young teenagers in the Premier League I don't think he should be he's embarrassed he's also 18 he's a teenager for over a year shouldn't more be embarrassed like. about saying that but I mean the, the world is a big you know it's a big place it's a big old football place with uh, prodigies everywhere but he's He's, he's going to be around you would think for the receiver in terms of what his value is the thing about Ferguson is it's the way he plays like he he um, it's like every top club is looking for that type of player I guess you know like a, a, a number nine who has some old school qualities but he's a bit of an all-rounder and um, I think um so yeah, Brighton are going to make a lot of money off him, as will his uh, his previous club. I, I know Dave was taking the piss out of me, but I, I genuinely did kind of my stomach churn a bit when you see um, comparisons with Haaland because like that's kind of a little bit ridiculous. Um, like Haaland's goal scoring rate this season is just utterly insane. His his pace is something that Ferguson doesn't have, and I, I don't like that comparison in, in the sense that it's it's almost ridiculous. But at the same time, it's, it has been made not by me, obviously. Yeah, best, no, best teenager in the world. That's fair. Well, he was asking the question. I was asking the question because I, I don't know enough no, about football, yeah, yeah. but he's probably he's probably one of the top whatever. Well, well, top one hundred maybe. <laughs> I'd be higher than the top one. Top fifty. Than higher than top one hundred, I'd say. Yeah. I'd say. Do you know what? I'd go up there and say I put him in the top. 10, 15. Well, that's something else. Yeah, he's also a teenager think, for mo- another year. They would end the Premier League at like 
in a, yeah. in a difficult position like the responsibility the one thing is like he's he's obviously playing in a club that's flying at the moment like they are absolutely flying and they um they know they all know what they're doing you know but mm. they've 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 trusted him and they didn't feel the need to go and um like even in January probably some of our conversations then seem redundant we probably would have been worrying about Brighton signing a striker and stuff and clearly they knew Well Deserby obviously believes in him and is less conservative well, than yeah. uh, Potter uh, 53106 ah, we'll get hammered on Monday lads it's like Longford playing <laughs> Dublin we talk ourselves up but deep down we know we're fecked says Declan Galway uh, we, we might we might feasibly get hammered um, but I think we'll have a bit of a damage limitation going out that we know how to hopefully keep the game tight like you've got to be frightened I don't know does Maybe Collins would vaguely have the pace to keep up with Mbappe. Nobody else in that back line, I think. I don't know what anyone actually have. I think you can... Uh, we just can't... Johnny, Johnny, hmm? there's one player in world football who has the pace to keep up with him. And he's Spanish and he plays for Wolves. That's the only player. Yeah, he is actually insanely... You, can't, only, you just can't uh, get into a one... I think the whole point is... is, 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 is you talk about Johnny? Is to avoid getting into a 1v1 situation. No. Adama Traore. Troy keeps the head down and that's puts it. the oil on his hand so that you can't grab it. Um, Ogbeni was being asked yesterday, do you think you'd beat Mbappe in a race? You know, like, do you, like this is the this is the thing that the players have to face this week is just like tough, tough question to sort of answer. David you know? Myler, were like, footballers competitive about the hundred meter sprints and all that kind of thing, and was that a thing? If you were sharp off the mark, you were. Um, never. They would never talk about 100 meters. Uh, the big one that always comes up was 20 to 30. Or people like myself then would say, well, I'll do you in a kilometer, two kilometers. <laughs> that was me. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm Johnny's one at Fairy House in the three and a half miler. That's you back, you're backing me there. Jeez, that brings you know up I mean? horrible memories of the last horse I owned, Bully, <laughs> which was a favourite in a three and a half mile race at Fairy House, and I haven't been right since. Thanks for that, David. Mm. You put me, you put, you put your money on me there. I keep plodding along for the. You're the I think, I think he actually was overtaken by Myler at some point, at some point <laughs> in the home straight. That's when, John, that's when Johnny knew he was completely screwed. That's the. the grand, he was in his Ajax shirt at the time. David yeah. Myler, the Grand National of yeah. uh, of, of footballers. He, his top speed is give or take 36, 37 kilometres an hour. Who? Mbappe. You just can't get in. Like, the, the whole point about our, the Irish plan on Monday would be to avoid the situations where you, like, avoid getting into that situation. And that's obviously going to, so much going to come into positioning and, and intelligence and, and, and avoiding that. And like, that's it. Like, you know, how, how deep you defend and, and how big the spaces are between players on the pitch. You just try and avoid that. Like, I think Kenny spoke about, um, and he spoke, spoke about after the World Cup how he loved the Denmark and France game and the World Cup. And the reason would be that Denmark played the same system as Ireland do pretty much. And like they they did a pretty good job as much as is possible of like neutralising France. And they still lost. They beat them last year in the Nations League, but again, how tuned in France were is dependent. But like again, you know, you look how Denmark played that game. They had opportunities, but they they tried to switch it quickly to try and France maybe leave a little bit of space behind their full backs and that's that's my point like some of the weaknesses in France that you can exploit you, you probably have to be positive to try and exploit those weaknesses but then obviously the more positive you are the more vulnerable you are to being sucker punched so you have to be completely and utterly tuned in plugged in completely 53106 how God's name can Ferguson be anywhere close to top 15 youngsters in the world there's nearly 15 better than him in the Premier League says Sean teenagers is it teenagers 
Sean, if you send us 15 teenagers better than Ferguson in the Premier League, I think youngsters is a different term, but, but teenagers... That's 23 and under, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, teenagers. He's yeah. 18, like, the 18 is... Like, it's, it's. I'm going, I'm, I inevitably I'm saying under 19. Mm. Yeah, I think teenagers... I can't even, like, I'm, I'm actually racking my brain since we brought up of an under 19 in the Premier League. A player under 19. Rico Lewis? No, I'd have Evan ahead of him. I think like this. This point has been made plenty, um, but whatever up- upbringing Evan has had, and you can see with second generation um, athletes of the same sport that often they're kind of they know from an early stage what's to be expected. But like Barry Ferguson, and I, I'm not sure of his wife's name. Maybe you might know Dan. I think it's Sarah, but I'm not um, sure actually. Barry, I should be guessing that Barry and yeah, uh, don't commit. <laughs> uh, they, like it, it should it should really be said. Like, can you just imagine? the temptations this lad should have at his age the world at his feet and the amount of players the amount of players that have gone by the wayside or fallen off because it all came too early for them and there's so many tales of players coming back from England who would say you know I, I, I had my Ferrari or whatever age I was like I had the Rolex watch I had this I had that Evan Ferguson I, I, I would say and I've never met the chap I would say he's no different really mentally to what he was 14, 15, 16 he's just that steady down to earth individual who just wants to play football I'm just looking at the youngest players to play in the Premier League this year um, and like Ferguson is well, I think he's the 15th youngest player yeah, I'm looking at the other teenagers and I'm like you know, Harvey Elliott, Elliott is a teenager um, oh, Rico Lewis as you mentioned uh, the, the fella at Leeds who was playing for Italy the other night Bronto, uh, he's very good. Yeah, like yeah. he's he's yeah. like he, he's 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 the one you would look at and say, okay, he's excellent. But I, I tell you, Sean, if you can find fifteen on this list that are better than him, you're doing well. Um, Eleven players, twelve players younger than him have played. Uh, Bachelor at Liverpool, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, he's he's, he's, what, he's, yeah. he's like he's not even eighteen yet. So like that's you know Rico Lewis is similar. So there are some exceptional talents there. But I mean, how many of those are leading the line for a team? You know, and, and a team has been built around them. Laviette said Hampton is playing quite a bit of football. Um, but yeah, he is up there. Garnacho, of course, as well, in fairness, is a pretty good teenager. Mm. What are you looking to see then this year in terms of the Republic of Ireland, David Myler, in terms of progression to kind of suppose, give us a sense of that we're on a road here somewhere? I think what I would hope, um, I would like France stands there to run away with it, just beat everyone. And then so it's down between us, Netherlands, and obviously the Greeks. But like, can we push for that second spot? Um, get positive results away from home, and then look to win games at home. Um, we've always, in, certainly in my time anyway, we were always able to nick a result away from home. Um, that was kind of one of the big ones. We were always capable of winning a game one nil. But can we be? You know, can we get more victories at home? Um, I need. That's kind of, I'm hoping that we can push those two nations and kind of come out on top of that and finish second. Is there a sloppiness that we need to kind of maybe eradicate and curb in terms of conceding goals that really we shouldn't be conceding, especially against weaker teams? And if there's a team that's maybe thinks that they're going to beat us, it's Greece and that possibly mm. can be the, the, the key game. Oh, Greece are a good team as well. Yeah, but you're right. It's like even when you look back at the Latvia game, we can see two goals. The first one obviously is the wonder strike. Um, but still you look at where do we lose possession how come there's no pressure on the ball once we turn over possession how can he have a free strike from that distance Where uh, where's our midfield I think it's Malumbi tries to get the block in those little things like that can we touch up on that once we concede that goal can we 
maintain the sustained possession and look to you know build on that and not concede a second goal. I think those are things that Stephen can touch up on. Obviously, like you said, when we're trying to play this open, you know, expansive football, we're trying to you know be the dominant force and dominate possession. That we're we're not too wide open once we turn over possession. We've got to somehow narrow up quicker um, and limit the space in between the lines for you know our opposition because that's inevitably where our downfall has come from um, in certain games where we've been too wide open and we've been punished from it because regardless of whatever nation you're playing, they'll still have good technical good players um, and then obviously the better the nation is, the better the players and they will punish you. So I think those are little things that we can eradicate those. Um, certainly there is there is. Certainly, I think progression um, in this group. You've got to remember, like the average age was what twenty three the other night. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You know, this team in three four years with another thirty games under their belt, because um, a lot of these lads will still be there. I'd, I'd like yeah. to see, sorry. I'd like to see them like just really manage a, a game well and and win a game. You know, just I think that's like at times they've been in great positions. On one nil, two nil, the one nil away yeah. in Portugal, like one nil up in Portugal with three minutes to go. We're thinking, well, at least whatever happens, not going to lose this game. You know, they lose this. You know, and um, there's been Even some, there's been like, some good like, results. This is crazy. I mean, you, you're winning positions at home. The other night, I know it's a friendly, but we coughed. Or the up Armenia one. Sorry, Armenia. It was yeah. like um, like what is that? Like it's just and again that was like Conor Horn gave the ball away criminal given a, a ball away just off a kickoff and you're like I don't know Dan if we some, you, we don't have a Roy Keane figure but you do need somebody to just say listen just, just take control of this game I just want to kind of talk about the aggression and getting under the French skin and, 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 and uh, it's not about caveman football but it is a little bit of, I think a bit of a mixture yeah well I mean suppose the refereeing is, is a factor as well too I mean in the World Cup they were letting things go a lot more and you can sort of you could get away well, Argentina won the World Cup with Messi and the Dogs of War yeah, no, like I, I, I've no doubt that would exist on on Monday. I've no doubt like aggression will be a factor on on, on Monday, and it'll be there. Um, I remember Brian Kerr writing a column about um, at one point in our paper about the first time he encountered a Stephen Kenny team, and it was actually how sort of relentless they were. And this, I think, sometimes like people talk about Kenny as a possession manager and then there have been times where his team have probably been a bit slow and passive in games but generally like his, some of his better sides haven't had that quality they've generally been a little bit more in your face when, when needs be um, and I think they'll start that way but of course it's like there's a fine line like you're playing against a better team you can just you can you know you can aggression can just become headless chicken very quickly you know and, and I think they've generally been better in terms of they've been they've been quite mature in the bigger games against the bigger sides they've, they've managed to get the balance right a lot of the sloppiness and, and craziness has been against the weaker teams and I think um, like I'd love to see Ireland just go to Greece and now the heat is going to be a factor of course in the summer big time but maybe that's even a part of it it's been able to manage the tempo with that game and, and to go away and just win one of these games because there's been a lot of if onlys a lot of uh, if that had just happened and yeah like they were so close to, to that and yeah it was a good performance it was nearly there and eventually he just needs to get like they just need to get one of those and I think even the confidence that they will take I know they blew Scotland away that was one afternoon that was the all, best day really so clicked. far wasn't and that it? was great and Scotland like, were terrible you know Scotland were poor but like you know you always say that when you beat a team or oh, they were dreadful or not but like you know there was there was like a, an amazing goal flies in from Albafemi and little things happen that don't always happen but you, you almost want like a 1-0 version of that where they really just have to sort of grind it out and graft it out and they, a lot of the tight margin games 
they just haven't got over the line and I think for the confidence of that group the age that is the age profile that's mentioned look if they could just learn to win together you know that would be a, a great thing Okay just before we go to the break just some scores Shelburne won goal United 2 full time for the women's Premier Division the friend of the show Karen Duggan has scored from the penalty spot Piemont United 1 Bohemians nil. Ireland have lost in the Six Nations in the women's Six Nations West 31 Ireland 5 and Cardiff disappointing results Connacht lead Edinburgh 27 19 at the moment Westmead remain in Division 1 of the Hurling League 324 to 126 they beat Leash uh, awfully defeated Kerry in the Division 2A semi 23-19 they'll take on Kildare in the final just to give you some scores as well from League 1 Charlton 1 Wickham 0 Exeter 3 Accrington 0 Fleetwood 1 Lincoln 1 MK Dons 1 Morecambe 0 Peterborough 1 Derby 0 and Portsmouth 0 Port Vale 2 Dan there's a story about racism in Irish football just before we got to the break yeah so where does stem from um, was a picture post online of the Irish under 15 team the other day um, I think it would be a, a majority African origin team and it does appear that there was some pretty horrific comments um, posted on social media in, in, re- in response to it I think there was a Kerry FC have reported something similar happened last night um, during the game aimed at their players but um, the FEI went as far as to release a statement about the under 15 abuse and Jim Crawford today has been quite emotional the 21 manager with some strong comments about it too um, again like you know, as with all these things you have to highlight it because it happens it exists like you know it's these people are out there you know, there's always that fear of almost amplifying it as well like but but I think like what we see is like you know the, the 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 profile of our national teams is changing dramatically. It's changing for the better. I think if you go to an, an underage game, that like that team, the David reference that was in Cyprus doing great things, like players of all sorts of different backgrounds, um, and clearly there are idiots and morons out there who um, who who take some kind of issue with that. Um, in the same way we see, you know, referenced it recently, you know, you see people marching around the place behind the flag, you know, as patriots, you know, when actually they're just spreading hate, you know. So um, I'm not sure what more we can say other than just to condemn it um, and and sort of, I think Jim Crawford's point today was looking at social media companies to do more about it. And, and of course, that's it's hard to argue with that, but I suppose there's always just an element of... Um, there, there are idiots out there and, and you know you just hope that the players themselves aren't affected, affected by it yeah. in that, some that, way. that's like that, that's true like I, I actually posted that image on Instagram when I saw it I was like this is amazing like because when you think statistically the kids of Irish African origin um, they I've said this time and time again on the sporting field particularly the football field these kids um from from that kind of um, background are so punched above their weight it's, and it's it's incredible what they're achieving and I'll go back to when Derry City played PSG and we were in a bar and we were talking to these PSG fans and they were saying oh we prefer the Irish team to the French team there are too many black players in the French team now and I was like what? Like these lunatics the French team that, and I'm pretty sure I'm right on this the French team that started or that finished the game that went to penalties um, against Argentina had no white outfield player and that is the influence that these black kids have had in France and we're going to have this in Ireland where they're making the, the, the sons and daughters of immigrants are making such a positive contribution to this country and the problem that I have with the reaction to these like low life imbeciles is that it is giving them oxygen it is these like these people who may not even have a name 
on social media who are just throwing out these comments could be anyone with like three followers and it's giving them sort of oxygen and it's making a story out of something that I would prefer almost um, and it's it's a tough but thing I think you need to hammer it you need to hammer the, the, mm. the, the lowest common denominator nature of what they're at yeah, and, and the complete ignorance social media is a dangerous place because before the internet these people would have been too cowardly to do anything I about I got it. a death threat on social media yeah. after the uh, World Cup final did you know who it was from? somebody in, in, in because I, I criticised the bitch and the, the, the robe that Messi wore death mm. threat mm. a lot of abuse mm. and you know it's completely anonymous completely blind mm. so therefore you, you just have to you have to rise above, above it and take it with a pinch of salt but and you've seen you know court cases and obviously Ian Wright had this court case in this country but um, as you say you'd worry that it doesn't affect uh, a young lad. Yeah, and I, I think um, you know I spoke to Graham Garton about this during the week, and um, I, I think Graham would be very conscious because like he sees through Shamrock Rovers. I think four, or maybe six of the under fifteen players are from Rovers. Like there's a massive Rovers influence in that under fifteen team, yeah. and he's he's just so proud of them boys that um, now I think they're doing so well in life already that they should be competent enough to sort of like throw this away. But I just would be afraid of really emphasizing this and putting oxygen in the mouths of these idiots who probably don't even have a name on Twitter yeah, like it that's, is a, that's what I'm afraid of like it, I mean it is like it is a massive shift it's, if you think about it like you know Paul McGrath speaking about his experiences in Ireland when he was younger Mark Rutherford who came over you know to play in the League Aaron of Ireland Randolph has spoken yeah, on the show as well like Mark Rutherford came over and like you know I mean it's, it is incredible like within 30 years how it's changed and there are possibly some older people who just struggle to cope sometimes with that transition getting their head around it but like you know that's very different um, to just like people just sort of abusing kids mm. online you know just cause cause they can um, and then it will be you know you'll be told it was just banter or something like that but I mean the, the, the profile of our team is changing and as Johnny said you see it with our Olympians you're going to see it across everywhere we're stating the obvious here it's like it's enriching um, our sporting landscape and, and we'll continue and to very, do so. very brief Judy I've been in, in hospitals like over the last few months several times just to see people not myself now and the amount of non-nationals who are there at the coalface looking after Irish people in this country and the positive influence that they are making um, let, that, let that not be forgotten how much better we are for these immigrants who've come over here 53106 is our text number we're back on football Saturday after this Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you three to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. You can text us five three one zero six. Tweet us at Off the Ball. Listen across the country on your radio and News Talk. Also, watch us on Twitter at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, all the digital and social channels. We'll also podcast the show afterwards on the Off the Ball section of the Go Lad Network. Only joining us now. Be sure to get the show, the full show, wherever you get your pods. On the line is David Myler, the former Republic of Ireland midfielder, in studio, the football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonald. And the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward, 53106. I see Ben Foster's come out of retirement for Wrexham. Was David ever tempted by any offers from Dan the Dog? Uh, is the texter's name, David Myler. Who's Dan I the Dog? Actually, I did actually have a couple of offers, um, but no. Uh, from the waist upwards, I feel like I can still play, but my body can't. Um, I played in some charity games, and people say, like, geez, you should be still playing because I can still run around, but. Um, on the three occasions I've played them when I've come off, I'm not able to get off the sofa for about four days. And my wife says, you need to stop this. Like I'm in just 
I'm in agony. Um, but Ben is Ben is a lot fitter and healthier than I am. Thanks for cycling. Big well, I, do you know what? I I'm still fit, like, and I'm still healthy, like. But my right knee is just a mess. I need a metal knee now, and um, it's just eventually the demands and the levels um, are just too much, and I can't do it. Amazing, isn't it? So a lot of footballers in your boat as well, regarding those types of injuries and, and needing that type of treatment. Yeah, um, a few lads I've spoken to um, that I've not I've met throughout my career and whatever, and you know the the demands you put in yourself every day. Um, certainly, the type of player I was, um, I I strive by trying to train at a hundred percent all the time, and I look at some of the lads I played with who would take days off, self, you know, and had a little muscle soreness or whatever and take a day off. Um, I probably trained too much. I always trained. Um, and eventually it's just my body was just going to down to the floor and I, I couldn't continue. And there's a lot of others like me. And then when you come out of it, you know, there was a point when I went to see a surgeon after um, I'd finished up with Reading and look, he just said, if you try and continue to play, um, he said, like, you'll be in agony for the rest of your life and you won't be able to enjoy the moment, say, with my children playing in the garden or whatever. Um, and that was kind of one of the main factors in my decision. It, it, it must be very, very difficult. And, like, you see so many Gaelic footballers as well who need their hips replaced and all that, where, you know, I guess humans weren't really designed to be so um, physically uh, focused on one particular aspect. And, you know, obviously there are pitfalls. Do, do you find, David, that, like... For, it's all part of like getting grown older and you know mortality and all that. But do you find it's it, it's tough for players when the the body is literally telling them you're done, you can't do this anymore. That part of your life is gone forever. A hundred percent. Like what am I? I'm retired now four years in August, and like like I said there, like you think about it, I'm 33 going on 34 in May, like where I should be kind of seeing out. I should be at this point now where I'd have probably played another hundred games in the last three years. Um, that's kind of like, it, it is something that's difficult, you know, difficult to stop doing. Like you're in such a unique world and in a privileged position where you know what you're doing, you know, day in, day out, you prepare for a game on a weekend, your kind of whole life is shaped around that. And then all of a sudden that just stops and it just goes and it's like, well, what do I do with myself now? Um, look, some lads who have incredible careers earn enough money where they don't need to do anything. Some lads, you know, aren't as good with their money and end up having nothing. And then it becomes the struggle. And then and they have problems at home. Some turn to, you know, drink. You've other lads who take gambling problems or whatever. There's all sorts of different scenarios. And it is very difficult because you're, you're in such a unique bubble where you think it's not going to end. And even now I look at, you know, younger lads I know in the 22, 23, 24 category, I'm saying you need to start preparing for life after football. And they kind of look at me and I'm saying, because I was once your age and I never thought too far in front. I was always concentrated on, you know, the next game or whatever. But I was like, you need to have a, you know, a clear pitch in your mind of what, you know, if, if I had to retire tomorrow, what would I like to do with my life? Kind of put down those foundation blocks where you have something in place that you can prepare for. Is there is there any part of you that finds it hard, we'll say, to look at Ireland and the likes of Evan Ferguson and say, that's not me anymore? No. Um, because uh, I look at now, like, you see, like, I coached Evan. Um, so, like, like I think I find it incredible that I, 
even I was only with them for what, um, say July, say five and a half months, six months, um, because obviously COVID hit. But like in that short period of time where I probably only had maybe what, eight, nine contacts on uh, on a pitch like with him. But like to now see him playing in the Premier League, playing for Ireland, scoring the Premier League score, that's unbelievable. That's incredible. And it kind of like, I'm not saying oh, I had any, any helping hand in his career, but like to see a kid that I saw who at that time would have been 15 kind of going, well, if he works on a little few things, yeah, potentially he could be one to kick on and to see him go away and work on parts of his game and then like go on now and be the one leading the line. It's just, it's, it's incredible. And that's the kind of like after seeing him, it's kind of like when I speak to, you know, the other coaches who have been involved with the, Ireland under 17s for a long time to see the players they've had come through. I said, this is what it's all about. This must be the buzz you get when you have three, four, five, six, seven players go on and represent the first team that you've been able to help them on their journey to getting senior level. Um, and that's that's kind of my new buzz now. And I want to help as many you know, young Irish players if if I can give them anything um, in their journey. Then you know that will that will make every every bit of coaching worth it. Yeah, like I, I, I've spoken to a couple of footballers before about retiring early and I would have thought it's maybe uh, like seeing the lads the same age as you still playing that could sometimes give you more of a pang than mm. the younger generation. That's what they would have said to me. It's like once all your generation has retired, well, then it feels like everyone's in the same boat, if you know what I mean. Whereas when oh, yeah. you have a couple of your lads are still going, maybe it's a different different feeling towards them in a nice way, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like I look at like I look at Seamus and um, like Seamus and say James McLean would have been my closest buddy, say in the Ireland team along with Clarkey, because we kind of all came in our own similar periods and you know we're all the same similar age. Seamus obviously older than us, he's a year older, but like to see them certainly Seamus performing in the Premier League, still captaining Ireland. McLean obviously playing with Wigan, playing for Ireland, like he's closing in what is he ninety seven caps now? He's about to hit hundred. Um, I wouldn't be one of those that would be like looking down on them kind of, or be jealous. I'm happy for them. Um, and I think a lot of people who would know me would know I'd be genuine with that. Like even the time when I captained Ireland when Seamus was out with the leg break, as man as I was desperate to get the world, to the World Cup. I know obviously we got hammered by Denmark, but I was desperate to get the World Cup for Seamus. Um, I wanted to see him lead Ireland out. That's what he meant to me. Like, um, obviously we're, you know, we're good friends. Um, but even now I'd look at them and, like I'm, I'm, I'm still desperate for them to do well. Um, I kind of like, I had a conversation with someone um, I really respect after I retired, and they said to me, "What an incredible career you've had!" And I was there going, "Well, how can this person tell me I've had an incredible career after what they've achieved?" And I just thought, you know, if you had told the seven-year-old me that I'd go on and play in the Premier League, play in Anfield, play in Old Trafford, play in the Emirates, you know, go and do that, play for my country. Um, go to the major tournament in France, 16, captain my country. I would have bitten your hand off at that age. Um, so to look back on it, I've no, I've no real regrets. And that's where I've kind of, when my race has ran, but I've been able to achieve so many things. Like the only thing I probably never, well, I, I didn't achieve in my career was score for Ireland. Unless Stephen fancies bringing me on in a friendly there to take a penalty or something <laughs> in the last minute. That's the only thing I never achieved that I wanted as a kid. I've done everything else I've wanted to do. Of course, I'd love to sit here now and say, like, I broke Robbie's Keane, Robbie Keane's record for most caps and most goals or something, but a bit unrealistic. But 
I still got to do what I want, uh, what I what I dreamt of as a young boy. There was a fun, funny moment on the bus coming in where I was just using my leap card, and the leap card was out of money. So I said to the driver, "Like, can I just top it up on my phone?" And he said, "Oh, yes, fine." So this old Dublin guy goes, "God, phones! I wouldn't have known that. Like, I, all I can do is." Um, use a Nokia and I can barely turn it on or off and we're having a chat and he said like kids nowadays they don't play to play with each other anymore they're just all on their phones and I said well actually yeah they're pretty much indoctrinated from the age of two or three to use their phones but if you're a young kid you still have that pathway that if you practice 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 playing football you can realise your ambition and you can be a really really good footballer because that will give you an edge and we spoke about the other morning was Joe Canning amazingly talented um, naturally or was it because he was playing hurling with his brothers from the age of three, four, five up and I think if you want your kids to achieve what's best for them in sports the earlier the better and the more football they play um, hard work hard work work, 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 a lot of it is hard work and and like what David says he he had no idea at seven that he was going to have the career he did and those who work I think basically can get rewarded because a lot of other kids are going to just not have that ethic I think it's interesting I know like David's dad obviously has spoken about it obviously at length before like a real sports man steeped in it and that actually Evan Ferguson look at Evan Ferguson Nathan Collins like both you know the sons of of ex-footballers you know um, at various levels you know who've sampled various experiences and probably they've been around it from a very early age and, and got an idea and like I said doesn't plenty of other players have come from background but no football at all but it's it's just striking that maybe some of the ones that are perceived to have better mentalities like they've you know did maybe that grounding they got at a very early age and being around it or growing up around the stories of it has maybe helped them to help them in some way 53106 I hope uh, what you're talking about can come on come, come about lads but I think Stephen Kenny will run out of time the time for excuses and what ifs is over now he either delivers now or he's gone now or never says Niall on the balance of it on the balance of it we're unlikely to qualify on the balance if you look at it now in my view but um, that that would be a little bit unlucky but I don't think Stephen can have any excuses after this campaign we'll talk playoff permutations at a later, later date uh, another texture sad to see racism still a problem in Ireland was paraphrasing here talking about the abuse that Mark Rutherford got in the 90s at the time this disgraceful behaviour was ignored by the national media but at least on the positive side in today's Ireland this type of behaviour has rightly been highlighted a lot more just before we kind of wrap up the show David just interested in your kind of views on the Premier League are Arsenal going to do this because I feel with every single passing week it becomes more and more possible mm. that this might actually happen and City won't catch them I know and I've said for a long time I still feel that Manchester City will catch them um, but as you said there just a week goes by and they're still in the you know in the, in the ascendancy to go on and do it um, I'm going to stick to my guns I'm going to still say that I think Manchester City will come up strong I think they'll they'll nip them towards the end like if you look at it, I think it would be a dramatic ending at the top of the table and certainly at the bottom of the table. There's a lot of teams fighting relegation. So I'm going to go with, I think Manchester City will catch them. We're talking about Haaland earlier, 42 goals in 36 games this season. Like when was the last time we saw a striker this good? Was it maybe Cristiano Ronaldo? I'm trying to think of Evan it. Evan Ferguson, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Haaland, look, it's, it's probably, there's no real words for it at the moment, David, is there? What he's no, doing. it's just a freaking nature. Um, like he's Johnny on the spot, isn't he? Even uh, who are they playing there recently? The ball just seems to fall to him. Or tappings, everything. It was the Leipzig game, and it, and it was kind of like what um, Dan was saying with Evan Ferguson. In fairness, they do both of them. Like Haaland doesn't get that many goals at all outside the box. He just seems to have this unbelievable knack, also because of his pace, David, of being in the right situation. I guess. Oh, hundred percent. And you look at it like like his JD touched on there, forty-two goals this season. That's remarkable. 
Um, you just you just think if you give that boy two three opportunities, he's going to probably score them all. Um, and like it's just it's just breathtaking. Like Manchester City probably haven't played as much to his strengths in certain games, but other times he's just he's incredible. Um, and if he keeps going the way he's going, like Alan Shearer's record, which would probably potentially become Harry Kane's record, will be under serious threat. Your boys that you, you keep an eye on Liverpool, what's your feeling at the moment? It's just, it's consistency, isn't it, is the issue? I know you're closing your eyes there, David. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, but it's, is it just consistency? Like, I, I kind of looked at it um, various different ways. I think Jürgen has been very loyal to a lot of players um, who've done incredibly well for him for the last, like, what, four or five seasons. Um, and at this current moment in time, enough of those players aren't doing enough to reward him um, for that loyalty. Who'd you, not who'd you put back. in that bracket? All of them. Right. Um, like, of course, look, you've got you've got new signings. Like, I think I think like one one name that was like Luis Diaz has been a huge miss. Um, something a little bit different. That player who can, you know, be electrifying and beat defenses. Um, he's been a huge miss. Obviously, Cody Gakpo took a bit of time to get going. He looks like he's he's starting to find his feet. Darwin Nunes probably hasn't scored enough goals, but I think they're I think he'll progress massively in the next year. Um, like even you look at Trent, still the same issues that we've we've spoken about in the past with his defending. Um, like even okay, Virgil, people say he passed it. I don't think he's passed it. I think he's just going through. A, Massive downgrade here the last few months. Certainly, with his consistent levels, um, haven't been haven't been good enough. But even some of the errors Allison's made, um, it's just uh, kind of a whole host of like problems. And I think these players now are just waiting for the season to be over so they can have their well, they'll all have internationals, but they need a break and recharge and refresh. And I think Jurgen needs it too, and just pick it back up next season. Um, but I still feel that they'll finish top four. Do you, yeah? I, don't, mm. I think Spurs are in trouble now with uh, Conte blowing up the world <laughs> and uh, at the door now. So. It's, it's, you, you weren't happy with that, John? With Conte? No. No, you saw the AM, did you? The rant? Uh, or it might be a Twitter rant, was uh, it? Uh, few Henry Winter there. was getting involved in it. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. Henry Winter was... Uh, I think I replied to him and then he replied to me and that, then that people, a lot of people saw it. Oh, well, I've missed yeah. that now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You were contradicting yourself a bit though, David, when you said the players are kind of waiting for the season to end but they'll finish top four because they, they, they can't mutually coexist. I think Newcastle are, on, are on a back, 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 back yeah. on a run though. No? Newcastle are coming back on a bit mm. of a run. I, like, no. I don't think Liverpool, Liverpool aren't in a position where they can get away with it at this stage. In my view, I don't think they're good enough. You, they've got, you know, they have City, Chelsea and Arsenal in the next three games. Mm. Yeah, and knowing Liverpool, like they'll they could win all three points. of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll get seven points, and then lose three. to Southampton or something. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. that's the problem. <laughs> I still think that's why Johnny. I think like why I say that is these players now we're at the kind of point where, like, the Champions League's gone, FA Cup, League Cup, right? Mm. You've got all you've got is how high can you finish in the Premier League? Um, and mm. I still think they have enough quality and they can turn out enough performances that, you know, in the in these remaining ten plus games that they'll be able to. They'll be able to get six, seven victories. They'll probably have JD said there go to Southampton away and get beat four 0 or something like that. But yeah. then they'll beat Manchester City three one in this exciting game. And I think they're just at that moment where it's a bit all over the place. Mm. And 
There's no consistency. Uh, just let the scores: Connacht forty-one, Edinburgh nineteen, and the ORC. The Irish women's team lost thirty-one-five to Wales. Also in the women's Premier Division, Shelburne won Galway two a full time. P-Man still one 0 up on Bohemians goals between DLR Waves and Athlone Town five three one zero six. Great show, guys. David comes across as a well-balanced man. Great to see he's got a coaching job with the FAI. Says Jim and Claire. Uh, lads, any inclination as to Kenny will play midfield on Monday night? Says Mick. Well, probably he's going to be Colin, isn't it? Definitely. Maybe Colin Malumbi. Nice. Nice. Be looking we, at... Could we finish the show on that? We all have to pre- predict our 11s. Uh, yeah, uh, just just give us a second. Uh, the lads can go ahead there. <laughs> I want to see if I want to see if uh, Miter put Seamus Coleman in his. We haven't really spoken about him, but then he's carrying a knock, mm-hmm. and like that's probably going to mm-hmm. not know about that till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, hasn't really gotten mentioned. Like well, he's been mentioned in certain places, Coleman. But if he does play, is it just that he replaces Doherty? I can't see can he not play in Doherty? But then does he come into the back three? I don't know. Anyway, we'll see if he's in his team. Go on, go ahead, Dan. Well, I'm, I'm, am I doing my team now? Am I? Yeah, All right, okay. Well, my team, I'm going to say Coleman won't be in it, but I'm, I'm kind of using the injury as a little bit of a convenient excuse. I think it might be, uh, well, it'll be Bazuno, certainly. I think the back three had finished the other night. Um, so Collins, Egan, Darrow, Shea. Um, then wing backs, I think Doherty and O'Dowda. Um, I can understand why someone would mention Coleman. Um, and then, yeah, Cullen, Malumby, then further up, Knight, Ferguson, and it's that one I'm not sure about um, Ogbeni or Obafemi he might even go Obafemi again even though he's not 100% fit so maybe Ogbeni but that's the one where I'm prepared to be prepared to be wrong yeah I'd be the same certainly the same back five and Evan Ferguson and um, I think Ogbeni might play and on the balance um probably that's three that Dan mentioned him in fields although I'd probably be a bit more optimistic about Smallbone playing because I thought he was so comfortable on the ball the other night um, but yeah probably the three that Dan mentioned him in field yeah I've gone for uh, like if Seamus Coleman's fit I'd go for Bazuna Coleman Egan Collins O'Shea O'Dowd Cullen Malumbi Knight Benny and Ferguson it might be the same as yours I same think. as me yeah um, but I think well Smallbone has technical quality in the ball and I think that we've lacked that and I think that needs to come into the equation soon 12th man in small bone potentially I think you know him and Johnston have probably played themselves into being go-to guys on the bench but uh, David um, if Seamus is fit Seamus will play so I think I think he'll play right at the back three right at the three okay right okay yeah. a drop so Dar- yeah that's it um, I'll go Egan in the middle um, I think then it's a toss up between O'Shea and Collins and I think Collins will get the nod um, and then I'd say I'll agree with the wing backs. Midfield three will be um, Malumbi Cullen will definitely play. Uh, Evan will start. I could see Ogbené and Knight um, then just for that kind of bit of Jason obviously brings great energy so he can kind of push one way. Ogbené could offer the like you know some runs in behind the other way. I think I think Dan's point that he alluded to earlier about trying to stretch them at moments, I think Ogbeni would bring that a little bit more. But I definitely think Knight would be there because he could offer that, but he can also just slot back into midfield quite comfortably. Um, 
alongside say Malumbi whatever is it, you know he's been playing in the third tier as well that is what we are like but just where, where did Mbappe actually play last night was he on the left kind of or? yeah he was on the left like they played so Giroud, the Giroud didn't yeah. play but they rotated a bit as well like yeah. and that's the thing like if Giroud doesn't play there was this big debate even in Qatar like Mbappe might want to play through the middle and obviously they made this, the, the, the substitutions in the World Cup final and they mixed up like Mbappe's position or later in games he might play through the middle but he was off the left yeah he was so that whole thing about that's why I'm asking about like where Coleman fits in yeah. if he is going to play like Kenny has referenced Collins potentially playing on the left side um, of that three now will be harsh on Darrow O'Shea but mm. if Coleman plays then you are talking about Coleman and Doherty maybe dealing pace. with that well it's pace yeah. but it's, but then there's and like positioning and yeah. you know but that's like you are putting Coleman in a hell of a position there right but whoever's in that position is going to be in a hell of a position you know what I mean like someone has to do it so. maybe Evan Ferguson should mark him actually they're, they're yeah. getting uh, they're, they're losing <laughs> soccer AM you were on the show were you a few years ago David Matter do you know what wait there here we go David Matter is interactive he's got a very if you're watching on the digital and social channels uh, for off the ball he's got a very interactive background it looks like something out of I don't know there you go JD look you can hear me wow what is so- that it's a soccer AM hat trick ball who signs it all the staff that worked there. Ah, class. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, look, I remember as a kid, um, I tweeted about it. I remember as a kid running downstairs on a Saturday morning before my own local game with College Corinthians or whatever and watching Soccer AM. Um, that would have been Tim Lovejoy and Helen Chamberlain. Mm. Those were great days. Like, I, it was actually funny. I was talking to someone the other day. If you, can, if you can remember back to the early days of the show, the stuff they used to get away with, they used to have the catwalk. With it, some girl come on with soccerette, like, yeah, soccerette. I was yeah. thinking, how did they ever get away with that? Yeah, different um, time zone. Yeah. It was a different time, but look, nowadays I suppose it, it was only a matter of time before it came to an end because nowadays younger generations are fixated by TikTok, Snapchat, or whatever, and everything's you know the attention span is no more than fifteen seconds, um, and I'd say the audiences have probably dropped off over the time. Um, but I always had a great Great time watching it. I, I was lucky enough to go on it a couple of times. Um, and, um, you know, it's it's one of those, I, I still tune in and watch it now if, I, if, I, if I'm not coaching on a Saturday morning. Um, and I'll watch a bit of it. But I suppose all good things come to an end. You still gaming, David? You still doing the gaming? No, no. Gone from that, JD. Have you, yeah? Yeah, completely gone from it. Right. Um, or just what you call it. I'm... I was at like kind of a turning point in my life. I was doing a bit of presenting with the Premier League. Um, I was gaming, and then I, I was coaching. I was like, well, kind of, what do I want to do? Um, and I want to, I want to one day become a manager. Um, so I've gone down that road. I'm coaching, obviously, with Hull's Academy now. Um, I'm coaching with the Ireland 17s. Um, I just want to progress. I want to learn. I want to get better. Um, Did you play come- football manager back in the day? I play championship manager. Yes, yeah, so you have yeah. that on your CV as well, kind of. No, 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 no. He's trying to make a have serious point that? here, Johnny. He's actually making a very serious point here, and you just cut him off. Have you seen that, that 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 young gentleman, Will Reams? Yes, yes. He's 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 now going away from football manager. He's saying like I've done a lot more than just play football manager. Like he's like like he's he's doing incredibly well in league on, but like at the same time, I was at that point right where I was like, well, what do I want to do? And I want to manage slash coach. Um, I want to like as I, uh, I spoke earlier about the seven year old me wanted to play in the Premier League and play at the big stadiums and play for Ireland I want to manage Ireland I want to manage Liverpool in the Champions League you know what I mean why not dream big that's what I want to do and I'm trying to now learn and progress and hopefully one day I can Brilliant stuff David great to, great to hear that um, 
you know, you always chase your dreams. What's the verdict then, David, on Monday? How are we going to do? What's the score? Head and heart here. Can they be aligned? Desmond 2-2. Two, two. Desmond 2-2. Two, two. That's <laughs> a brave call. Dan? Oh, look, I think France will win 2-1. Johnny? 3-1 France, something like that. I think it'll be 2-0 France, but look... Um, I love David's optimism. Tough challenge, yeah. I know. Best look he's game. the only footballer of the, of the four here. So look, um, I just you know what, JD, I can't, I can't live my life like that. I know, like I'm in my right. mind, I was thinking two one, but I said I'll go two two. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Do you remember right. I left him out of the park when he didn't, I said Liverpool beat Man City? Yeah, and, and I was like, nah, and, then, and then you'll be happy to know, David, that like I substantially financially sided with Man United in the game at Anfield. As well. <laughs> so I'm like, sorry, I mean, yeah, no words. What seven nil? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it would just, just if there's any lesson to be learned for anyone listening, for anyone in the studios, don't listen to what Johnny Ward says. <laughs> that's, that's just we still love him though. We still love him. Yeah, You're not getting do. any job as far as I'm around anyway. David, thanks so much, man. Hey, good luck, lads. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Johnny. Cheers, JD. We got to live it there, folks. Don't forget off the ball. Back tomorrow, one to seven. Joe Malloy here on News Talk in the chair. We got Paddy Andrews and Colin Ball chatting about the Allianz National Football League. Philippe O'Claire will preview Ireland against France from the perspective of Les Bleus. Alison Miller will review Ireland Wales, the defeat in the Women's Six Nations. There's also the Sunday Papers review with Andy McGeady and Shane Keegan. We've also got all the GA reaction from around the country, just in terms of late scores, late goals going in. Uh, P Manda got a second against Bohemians, 2 0 now. Sive Doyle with the second. Dealer Waves and Athlone Town goal as Galway United beat Shelburne by two goals to one earlier on. That is what's going on today. If you missed any of OTB Football Saturday with David, Dan and Johnny uh, or our preview of this weekend's Get a Games Action with Taggy Fogarty, Colin Kelly and Colin Keys. you can find the podcast on the Off the Ball section of the Go Loud Network or be sure to listen back wherever you get your pods. Thanks so much folks for listening on your radio across the country here on News Talk. Today we'll speak with Joe tomorrow at one. Bye bye. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports